Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on water treatment knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hi, everybody. I am Trace Blackmore. I am so happy to be here with you today. And today's show, we're going to talk about the most exciting topic that you could ever imagine. Yes, we're talking about insurance. Hey, is this thing on? So think about it. Why would we talk about insurance on scaling up? Not just about water treatment and chemistry and all that stuff, but what are all the things that have to come into play for us to have a successful water treatment business? And unfortunately, folks, there's liability out there and we cannot protect ourselves from all the liability out there. So that's why we have insurance. So you might be thinking as a business owner, all right, this show is going to be awesome. I can't wait to listen and go to the show notes page and get all the questions and items there. And for those technicians out there, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be boring. I'm not going to listen to this. I wonder what's on the radio. I am going to ask that you give me the benefit of the doubt and you change your paradigm. And as a field force technician, you will think You know, if the company does well, I do well. If I know more about the company and what they have to go through, then I can do a little bit better job. So as we interview Mike Hyam of McGowan Insurance today, I want you to think in that mindset and think about how can I be a better water treater tomorrow than I am today, knowing a little bit more about my company's liability risk. Insurance is not the sexiest topic. However, it is something that every business out there needs to have. And I think it's one of the things that as as a business owner, you know, I know a lot about chemistry. I know a lot about how to work with people and get new business and all this various stuff. But insurance isn't really something that I stay up to date on. So no secret about it, Mike Hyam is actually my insurance professional and I've been working with him for years and I've received several questions on insurance through scalinguph2o.com and I can probably answer those questions, but again, I am not an insurance professional. Funny story, I actually was an insurance professional at one time. I think I told the story to all of the Scaling Up Nation out there that my father and I were working together as I was growing up. And when I got out of college, I tried to get out of the water treatment industry and I became uh, an insurance salesperson as well as some financial products And I could not have hated a job more. I did it for a little less than two years and it just did not click with me. My dad invited me to come back to work with him and I've never looked back since. So I have an appreciation for insurance. And by the way, I got to tell you that that was the absolute best sales training that I have been through in my entire life. And I've been through a lot of sales training courses. So for those water treaters out there that have come from the insurance industry, 
I think you've had an incredible sales training experience. And for those of you that know somebody in that industry, you might want to ask for some of their materials because they really do a good job about that. But that has nothing to do about the topic today. We're going to talk about uh, insurance. We're going to talk about the liability. I want you to put your company cap on today and think about what are the things that I should know and what can I do better when it comes to insurances and my practices, how I communicate with my customers. So without any further ado, let's get on to our interview. My lab partner today is Mike Hyam of McGowan Insurance. And Mike is actually a, a good friend of mine, but he's also the person that I rely on in my company to tell me what I need to know about insurance. Mike does a great job with that. And since I know more about water treatment than I ever will about insurance, and honestly, I really don't want to know that much about insurance, Mike gives me the information that I need when I need it. And he has agreed to come on the show and let all of the Scaling Up Nation know what we should be thinking about when it comes to insurance. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great today, Trace. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, absolutely. And we very much appreciate you coming on the show. And I think I did a teaser show earlier. Somebody had actually asked me a question about insurance and I have gotten multiple questions about insurance. So I don't want to sell the insurance industry short when it comes to water treaters because I've gotten several questions on my website about it. So I thought rather than me making something up, it would just make sense to have you come on and tell them actually what was going on. That makes sense. I think it's an important <laughs> thing to talk about and we'd be happy to help. Excellent. Well, Mike, for those listeners out there in the Scaling Up Nation that do not know who you are, do you mind uh, introducing yourself to the audience? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. So uh, I've been uh, in the insurance business for now almost 30 years and work for uh, an independent agency brokerage here in Indianapolis, Indiana, McGowan Insurance Group. I've been a part of McGowan for about the past 15 years and through that time really have uh, devoted my attention to some key niche areas, most importantly, water treatment and to a broader level, chemical and environmental. So I've uh, been at this for about 30 years, like I said, uh, live and reside in Carmel, Indiana with my wife. We have uh, three sons, enjoy, uh, enjoy our lives, and, uh, but most importantly, enjoy uh, being a part of uh, AWT and uh, the friends that we've made. Well, excellent. Well, you brought up AWT, and on this show, we talk a lot about the Association of Water Technologies. Now, your firm has decided to, you know, make an entire practice around the AWT. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that started about 20 years ago, prior to my even coming uh, to McGowan, and we, uh, we were fortunate enough to pick up what is now our longest-term water treatment customer here in central Indiana, and uh, from that, we uh, gained some great experience, some knowledge, developed that relationship, and grew that relationship into other water treatment companies around the country. As that continued, we saw an opportunity here, and really a, a calling or a need for greater value, greater education, and really greater intelligence in terms of risk management and allowing uh, water treatment owners and operators to control some of their own risk management. So we set out to become students of the industry. Uh, we're not engineers, we're not chemists, but what we are are good insurance and risk management people. And we have the ability to take what we know 
and align it with what we have learned through uh, folks like you, but with uh, through the association as well, to craft programs that meet or exceed the needs of our clients. And it's taken time to do that. It's taken time to develop the trust and the confidence of members of the water treatment community. Uh, we think we've made progress in that area. AWT has been a significant part of that. We dedicated ourselves early on to becoming involved, not just to be members, but become involved with that association. And uh, that came in the, in the way of presentations, sponsorships, certainly being at the annual convention and exhibiting and just interacting in any way we can. And, and again, underscoring that with the value that we think we bring to the association and its membership. Well, excellent. And I know, uh, I know you've been very involved in the association. And as an association member, I, I want to thank you for that. Talking about insurance and liability, what is something that every water treater listening should be aware of? Well, I think that what water treatment personnel and owners have to be aware of is the, the value of the assets and the employees and their business reputation that needs to be protected. We all operate today in different regulatory environments. There are challenges, both and opportunities, that affect our businesses in, in different ways. And the focus on how we perform our business and the documentation involved, the control of our people and the training of those people, uh, and then certainly our business reputation. How do our customers view us? Uh, that all comes into play when we're talking about effective risk management. Uh, certain parts of that can be transferred, certain liabilities uh, via insurance programs. But at the end of the day, it's really up to the business owner along with hopefully good consultation from an insurance provider to effectively manage those risks. All right. So let's say I'm now a salesperson and I am delighted because I just signed a contract with a new customer and then I go back to the office and oh my goodness, I've got to do all this paperwork and I probably didn't get a contract signed. Maybe I now have to go get a contract signed and they want certificates of insurance. They want all this various stuff that I don't know what they're asking for. So what exactly is a certificate of liability and why do we need it? Well, the certificate of liability is a representation of the insurance program that an employer, the water treatment company, has in place. It doesn't provide on its own any form of coverage extension to the party requesting, but rather is a representation, really a snapshot in time, of the program and the coverage that's in place. Very much oriented towards the liability areas of insurance protection but it allows the certificate holder, the customer in this case, to know and understand the level of protection that you as the water treatment company have in place in the event that certain things might go wrong, property damage, bodily injury, any kind of a situation for which the water treatment company may be held responsible because of their negligence or oversight. So it's a, it's a methodology within the insurance industry that provides the ability and the communication link between the employer, the water treatment company, and its customer. 
is there a standard for water treatment companies to have when they're dealing with a particular industry, whether it be commercial or industrial? There's really no set standard in place. We like to talk about our clients really purchasing insurance for a couple of different reasons. Number one, because somebody else has told you to do it and how much you have to have. And that may be a customer, maybe a supplier, uh, maybe a governmental entity and that type of thing. The second reason would be, and probably the more appropriate reason, would be the owner's or the manager's own risk tolerance and what they perceive through good consultation again to be the appropriate levels of insurance and the kind of insurance to, to be held. In reality, we do see trends that would guide and dictate the kind and level of coverage that uh, is expected by customers. And that, more than anything, helps us align the programs and the structure of the coverage with what the needs are for the customer base. All right, so let's go back to I just sold the account, the customer wants the certificate of liability, and then I hear back from my office that the requirements that the customer has do not meet the requirements of our actual insurance. What do we do then? Well, let's assume with that question that we have gone through a diligent analysis with the owner and the management of the water treatment company to determine the appropriate levels of coverage to be put in place. And we've acted on that and we've done that. And then the customer comes back and says, you don't have enough. Uh, you don't have enough limit. You don't have enough of this kind of insurance and so forth. What we would recommend at that point is to engage with the potential customer or the active customer in a healthy dialogue and explaining the, the scope and the nature of the interaction that's to take place. Perhaps you're only gonna be on site once a month. It could be even less frequent than that. The time could be limited. Your involvement with and location within the facility may be limited, all minimizing the risk that you present to that customer. So a healthy negotiation can take place and allow for, allow for there to be then an outcome that would be hopefully mutually beneficial to both parties. That happens probably 60 to 70% of the time uh, in our experience. There will be cases though when in order to earn that business, we're going to have to be able to deliver on the higher limits that are being requested. Have you had instances where customers, uh, water treaters have said, you know, it's just not worth buying this extra insurance to get this business, so we're gonna say no to this business? Most certainly, yeah. I, I think that there's uh, definitely been situations when the revenue, when compared to the cost of the additional coverage being requested, this doesn't make business sense. It really doesn't. And I think when openly communicated, though, that analysis to the customer, again, our experience would say that the majority of the time the customer understands that and to the best of their ability would be willing to find the compromise. Well, Mike, I had a customer one time that wanted a certain box checked, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, we can probably check that box. And then I checked with you, and you're like, well, you sure, we can get that box checked on the certificate of insurance, but it's going to be about an extra $10,000 a month. So I think we negotiated that out. So I learned that those boxes getting checked are, are pretty expensive. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of development and a lot of features today that are being actively requested that, in, to some degree, we've not seen in the past. And... and uh, it really comes from legal counsel, mainly of the customers 
making recommendations about proper risk transfer. So it's quite common today that features like primary and non-contributory, additional insured wording, uh, for sure, 30-day notice of written cancellation, and per-project aggregate uh, requirements are not out of the ordinary. In certain cases, that requires the carrier to uh, alter the policy, endorse the policy, and costs can come about. An analysis also of the kind of extensions of coverage that are being affected by checking those boxes need to be done. But for the most part, uh, those are regularly required items and can be accomplished without too much difficulty. Well, excellent. Well, we've got water treatment company owners listing and we've got people that are out working in the field. So let's address both of them. First, let's start with, uh, I'm a water treatment company owner. What should I be aware of and super careful with when it comes to this topic? That's a good question. I, I, we really think of it in uh, three different uh, key areas. First being, it's really about your people. It's really about the human behavior that we all deal with with a group of employees because we're hoping that we have trained them, we've educated them, and we've prepared them um, to a level that we feel comfortable and confident that they're going to go out and carry out our mission and our culture and deliver the service and the, and the product to our customers as necessary. So really understanding as an owner the makeup of your, of your employee force, the communication, the documentation expectations, their actions in the field, their decision-making, their instinct, and so forth. When do they stop what they're doing? When do they call back for assistance and guidance? All of that becomes critical to know and understand. And so managing uh, the personnel within our operations is, is critically important. And we've seen that play out in very positive situations. And unfortunately, we've seen that play out in rather negative situations as well. The second thing that we think about would be all of the agreements and the contracts that were presented pretty much every day. And I think it's easy for business owners to become too accustomed to what those agreements might contain and just simply sign on the dotted line in order to get the business, then only to find out that they've maybe taken on more risk and more liability than what they first thought, and perhaps even more cost. So I would caution owners to take time to read through those documents, to share them with your insurance professional, to review and analyze and provide feedback on the indemnification clauses and the, most certainly the insurance clauses within the contracts. And then the third area really is the overall commitment to safety. It really happens at the top of an organization, and it's the development of the culture that will define how your people behave. And we talked about it before, the behavior in the field, the behavior with your customers, and the kind of communications that are going on. But all of that begins most certainly with the top people within the organizations as they develop and refine the culture. All right, so now as a water treatment technician, same question, what should I be aware of? That's also a very good question. I think technicians really need to be self-aware today. And that means being honest with yourself to know what your capabilities are, know what your limitations may be, and the possibility that you're going to encounter unforeseen situations 
while you're alone in the field. And you need to know how to handle that, how to communicate challenges with your customer contact, how to document properly, and really what to say and maybe what not to say while you're in the field. And it's really the management of uh, yourself and your own abilities and capabilities while you're interacting with your customer. Your actions really not only impact you, but they impact the entire company. So if, if technicians have that perspective when they're uh, on the job, in the field, engaging with their customers, that they're not only acting on their own behalf, but they're really acting on the behalf of the employer, that that really should guide and dictate you know, how they carry out their business. So, Mike, in the instances where those items weren't carried out, if obviously if they were, things would have gone better uh, in what you alluded to. But should all of that training and the practices, should they be documented in some sort of policy book? Yeah, the training uh, and the, the ramp up to preparing a technician to be on his own in the field certainly needs to be documented in standard policies and procedures that are adopted and accepted by the employer. You know, there's a lot of good training out there. Again, back to EWT, we couldn't recommend more. The CWT curriculum and the other training opportunities that exist within the association. But that has to be supplemented as well by each and every water treatment company out there because each and every water treatment company is operating in a different region of the country. They're operating in in different environments regulatory-wise, and they need to develop that own internal culture to a level where there's really more of a team approach than necessarily an individualistic approach. So after somebody was originally onboarded and trained in the beginning, uh, we should have regular safety meetings or regular meetings just to make sure everybody's up on all the information they need to. Do we need to document those and make sure people sign in to, to that? All of that is very helpful, and, and, but reality would dictate that there's a lot of side conversations, there's a lot of impromptu meetings that occur that are very important and, and serve a purpose. But I would also recommend that there's a more formal approach to training and communication and meetings going on within each and every water treatment company. And for those, those kinds of meetings definitely should be documented, minutes taken, so that not only can we show that those meetings took place, but we can refer back to them, technicians and otherwise, to pick up inf important information that might have been shared. So in other words, if we don't have it documented, we can't prove that it ever happened. That would be correct. All right. Well, you mentioned AWT and CWT. Are there any benefits for being a member of a AWT or having your certified water technologist designation when it comes to insurance? Yeah, we, we think that there's an awful lot of benefit that goes along with that. Uh, the, the curriculum is, is outstanding. Uh, the, the personnel that uh, AWT has brought into uh, provide that training has been excellent. So we've, we see real benefit out of those that we interact with that happen to be CWTs. There's certainly reasons within our own career development and enhancement of our opportunities um, to pick up education like that. Specifically within the insurance market though, 
our underwriters that we work with are very knowledgeable and very educated themselves about the industry associations and designations that we have relationships with. And they're not taken lightly. And so we actively talk about with our underwriting community the kind of training that is being undertaken and what a CWT really means and stands for and what it does for the individual, not to mention the employer overall. When we communicate that with the underwriters, they take note of that and they incorporate that into their program structure and certainly into the pricing of their programs. So I would tell you that it's a, it's a great value to be able to be to go to our underwriter and say we have half of the company that's CWT or we have X percent that might be a CWT. So it actually pays to become a CWT literally because insurance can be cheaper. It can be cheaper. It can affect our long-term insurability and it can really affect the the outcome, I think, of how different situations are handled in the field. And when we boil that down, that means the difference between having a claim and not having a claim. Are we able to negotiate and talk through and work through certain situations with our customers because of our education and because, because of our knowledge? Or do we not know how to handle that and we're just going to turn it over to the insurance company to pay the claim? All right. Well, let's let's reach deep down into your uh, vault of items that did not work out well. So what do you wish everybody listening knew that would have made that situation go much better for whatever company it was? Yeah, I, I, I would say just in general at the, at the beginning of that, I, I really wish everybody knew the kind of opportunity you have with your insurance provider, your truly your risk manager, to receive the kind of guidance and consultation that's available. We think that there's an awful lot of value in that package, and it's not just insurance related, but it's really all of the things that we've touched on and talked about already that, that serves as an opportunity to improve business. Specifically, we have had certain situations where our water treatment clients have unfortunately kind of looked the other way and maybe fallen back to the insurance as that safety net and that backstop, which certainly it is. And that's why we insure and that's why insurance is necessary. But again, we would hope that there is an active dialogue and work effort to mitigate the potential for claims or problems before they rise to the occasion of a full-blown insurance claim. Well, Mike, what are the different types of insurances out there that we should be aware of? Well, first and foremost, I would turn to the liabilities area of our program. Our core program would contain three essential parts, general liability, pollution liability, and professional liability. Each of those serving a different purpose and need, but each of those most often aligned under one policy with one carrier to take the opportunity for any uh, gaps or gray areas out of the occasion. That's essential and that's central to what our program is designed around. To that then, we have the ability to add 
really any other area of insurance product that might be necessary. So certainly workers' compensation for your employees, automobile, no matter how many owned or non-owned vehicles may be involved, excess liability or umbrella liability is another area. We then get into the management liability area, which is becoming more and more uh, of a common discussion point. And this would be employment practices liability, that relationship between the employer and the employee, uh, such things as discrimination, harassment, wrongful termination, all of that can be insured for. Fiduciary liability speaks to the sponsored plans of an employer, such as a 401k. And then finally, a very active area of conversation would be cyber liability. And that takes on many different faces today because uh, the bad guys are out there and they've figured out a lot of different ways to extract information or to infiltrate systems and networks and to otherwise cause and create as much havoc as possible. So we see a lot of that activity. We see that being probably one of the more active areas of insurance purchase today. So cyber liability affects not only water treatment companies, obviously, but a wide variety of different industry types throughout the country. Well, Mike, maybe you can confirm this, but I think I remember reading a story about the Target incident with the credit cards, and they actually found a way through their firewall through the HVAC company. Is, do I, am I saying that correctly? That is correct. Their infiltration was as a result of actually a refrigeration contractor that Target had hired that was allowed to have access to target systems. So the systems were speaking to each other. There was an infiltration of the network of the refrigeration contractor, which then allowed for an open door access right into target with what we know today being the damage that was done. So we have all these policies in place, and, and that's no small feat, so we have that done. How often should we be looking at them and making sure they're the right limits, we're paying the right amount of premium, all of that stuff? Well, we would tell you, and this is probably not realistic, but we would tell you continually. Really though, looking hard at insurance policies and talking about the particular coverage and the program design and structure should be done no less than a couple times a year and really initiated by uh, your insurance provider. So taking a time out of your business day just to regroup and review and take a look at what we have in place and the need for any kind of modifications or adjustments. In actuality though, we'd also recommend a more continual dialogue. And that doesn't have to be about the insurance policy itself but we are fielding phone calls and questions and communication from our clients every single day about a variety of different topics. And sometimes there are very particular questions related to the insurance coverage that we have in place, but more often than not, they're general business questions, they're general risk management questions. How should I deal with this employee? Do you have any resources? How should I deal with this customer challenge that I have? you have any information or insight into that. So that's really the kind of relationship, the kind of communication and dialogue that we hope for and that we really try and create with all of our clients. Because when we have that ability to truly serve and act in the capacity of a business resource, then we think that we're truly bringing value to that business. So 
let's say we've done this due diligence, we've gotten several quotes out and they're, they're like insurances, but they're different costs and different coverages within those. How do you compare one to another? Well, you have to be making sure that you're dealing with a provider that knows and understands the water treatment business. That would be first and foremost. We think that the water treatment industry is a very niche area of business today. There's a high degree of technical need in education and training that has to go on, but there's equally a need for relationship building, a need for the ability to interact with others and develop the kinds of working relationships with customers and suppliers that's essential for operating their business. Likewise, the agent in this case should really know and understand the water treatment business and some of the pitfalls, some of the opportunities, and some of the challenges, both in a micro level and a macro level, that exist for the industry. Once that decision has been made, then there's an analysis of coverage, cost, limit structure, but really the devil is in the details in this, in this area because we believe that an affirmative coverage grant, meaning we should be able to point to and see the specific language within the policies that are going to provide and affect the necessary and critical components of our business. If not, then interpretation is left to the open. And in the event of a claim, what we don't want to have is a juster interpretation being made at that point. We want there to be definitive language to guide and direct how the claim is to be processed and handled. And finally, certainly, we would recommend evaluating the capacity of the provider again, and this is not only the agent, but the carrier as well. What kind of resources do they have? What kinds of training aids can they provide that will continue to kind of develop and enhance the business? So is it better to keep everything with one company under their umbrella or maybe pick and choose a couple for three or four different companies? Well, the reality would be that today the involvement of a variety of companies, and not to meaning, oh, too many, but three to four carriers would not be unrealistic in today's environment. The reason for that is because certain carriers excel at certain things, and they uh, have no problem with partnering with other carriers to accomplish the, the end result. Likewise, though, we would recommend that all of that coverage be managed by one agent, if at all possible. Understanding that there are relationships that come into play there, uh, loyalty, history, and so forth, which is perfectly fine. But selfishly, if we're able to manage as McGowan, a, a water treatment company's entire portfolio of risk and, and insurance coverage, it positions us to be able to consult that owner uh, and, his, and his or her employees in a more practical and functional way. If part of that program is missing with another agent, we're only really left to guess what that might be or look like. So how would somebody know if they have the right or wrong insurance coverage? Well, we think that that comes in the area of really understanding and analyzing your own business first. We talk about don't position your business to accommodate 
insurance, rather the, the opposite of that. You position your business in the best way possible so that you can grow and sustain and add to your customers and add to the revenue and add to your employee base. And then we'll wrap insurance programs around that. Uh, specifically, we would recommend looking at your operational risk, looking at your contractual risk. We talked before about analyzing the agreements and the contracts that we're engaging in. And then finally, the administrative risk. How do you work with your employees? How do you manage the internal processes within a company? And all of that should culminate then really in determining what coverages are appropriate and necessary and what coverages might we want to consider down the road a little bit. And, and as an uh, offshoot of that, we're, we seek to develop strategies with our clients as well. So it may be from a cost standpoint or a risk tolerance standpoint that today not every single insurance coverage is desired or even perhaps even needed. But we'll build a three to five or even seven year strategy with our clients so that we can prepare them to grow into this additional protection as their company continues. Well, you mentioned earlier that one of the best forms of liability protection is to have best practices in your company. So I know you've worked with a lot of AWT companies and there's some out there that maybe have not started this endeavor yet. So if somebody was going to get started today, what's the first thing they should do to start getting those good practices down? Well, I think that there's probably a number of resources that they can reach out to to begin to lay the groundwork for that. I think approaching that in a realistic format is probably a good recommendation because it's a big bite to chew off if a particular business has not even started uh, working towards that. But if they have, then certainly the, uh, the AWT Association that we've talked about a bit here would be a fantastic resource. Within AWT, there are some smaller groups of like kind quality water treatment companies that have joined forces in an informal way to share experiences, to share uh, information, and to have open dialogue about how to create best practices and how to move their businesses continually along that spectrum. I'm not certain that it is that there is an end game with that. I think it truly is a case of building continually upon the base that you've created and it's a spectrum that will always need to be worked at and uh, achieved. And then finally, the other resource selfishly would be your insurance agent. Again, assuming you have a confidence level with the provider you're working with and that person has the resources and the information that can be helpful, that would definitely be a place to tap into. One thing is clear, if you are just simply sending premium payments to your agent, you're not getting out of that person the professionalism that you deserve as a business owner, as a water treater. I would echo that all day long, Trace. I think that we're falling short if we haven't, as uh, an insurance community, put those types of resources and that value in the hands of the ownership of the water treatment companies. Just simply paying the premium, just simply buying the policy and putting it on your shelf when it arrives in your office is doing really nobody any good. 
what we can offer beyond that is the kind of partnership and the kind of relationship that we want to develop year after year after year, again, to the point where we are certainly viewed as a business resource that brings definite value to growing a company. Well, we definitely covered a lot of ground today, and you have definitely been a great resource for me working with my company and, and really allowing me to not have to worry so much about knowing every single thing about insurances that are out there because you bring that information to me. So if somebody did want to learn more about insurance and liability risk and items like that, where would you recommend they go? Well, I'd recommend that they give us a call quite frankly. And, and I say that not from the sales standpoint, but really from a consultation standpoint. We're invested in this industry. We're not going anywhere. We have a long history now developed that we're very proud of. And we want that to continue to evolve and develop as the industry continues to evolve and develop. And we think that the only real way to do that is to be that trusted advisor for not only clients, but for prospective clients, or maybe even for businesses that may never be a client of McGowan Insurance Group. We feel we've got a duty, and we're dedicated to that duty to provide any and all information possible. So folks can feel free to contact me specifically to have that kind of conversation and to feel comfortable that it's not going to turn into a sales pitch. Mike, here on Scaling Up, I've made the reference to uh, Kennedy's speech where he says a rising tide lifts all boats. And that's pretty much what I think you're saying, that even if somebody doesn't do business with you, if they get the right information, they're doing the right things, the industry is doing better. And that's going to make sure that everybody that you insure is actually having better rates and better premiums and the underwriters are looking favorably at us. Is that pretty much what you're saying? It really is. And that's a great way to put it. You know, we, we certainly feel what we give out, we will get back tenfold. Uh, and that really comes to us in terms of the success of the clients they're working with. But really the success of this industry and the association overall is critically important to us. So although it's a competitive environment, it's a business environment, and we need to keep that in mind, the open sharing uh, uh, and assistance that we can provide each other is quite critical. Well, I will be sure to put your contact information on my show notes page. And the last question I have is the lightning round question, if you're ready for that. I am. All right. So if you could talk to anybody throughout history, who would it be and why? I don't want it to sound corny, but it, I would have to say my dad. My dad represented uh, somebody that was full of integrity and character. He was a phenomenal sounding board for me as I grew up. Unfortunately, I lost him about 15 years ago, but previous to that and, and during the time uh, that we had opportunity to, to be together, uh, it was a great deal of comfort. And he really instilled in me what I hope we are delivering, what I hope I'm delivering to the clients that we have today. And that's doing business with a high degree of character making sure that we put the interests of clients ahead of anybody else and anything else and do that consistently. I think we achieved that. We always could probably do better at that and we'll continue to do better at that. But uh, I have him to thank for that and uh, certainly wish he was here to see this today, but that would be the person I would select. 
Well, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on today and letting people know a few things about insurance. Granted, not the sexiest topic out there in water treatment, but it's something that if we didn't have, definitely we probably wouldn't have a company to enjoy practicing water treatment. So I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up and talking with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, and I appreciate the opportunity. Well, I'm going to share a secret with you. When I receive several emails asking me from listeners to talk about insurance, I got to tell you, I was a little bit nervous with that. But I thought about it, and I thought about the relationship that I had with Mike Hyam, and I also knew that he was not going to come on the show and try to sell insurance. He was going to teach about what we needed to know about insurance, and I think he did a great job for that. So let's get into pinks and blues. So I picked three questions out of the scaling up mailbag. And I see the first one here is, can I get continuing education points for my CWT? You know, that's my number one question. And I I don't know if I mentioned that on the show or before or not. Uh, And the answer is no. However, we're working on it is really the right answer. So I did, based on your interest in getting continuing education points. And by the way, let me back up. For those of you that don't know, the certified water technologist designation is the highest designation that anybody in the water treatment industry can achieve. And once they achieve that, they have to do so many continuing education units in order to keep that certification current. So everybody's listening to scale it up and thank you for that my audience keeps getting bigger and bigger and i really appreciate that I promise i'm not going to take that for granted i'm going to keep giving you the information that you're asking for but what this person is asking for is they're saying i'm listening to this show i'm getting great information about it i feel that i am a better water treater tomorrow based on some of the things i'm trying from the show than i was today so can this count as CEUs, continuing education units? And again, the answer is not yet. Uh, I did speak with the certification committee and the issue is they really don't know how to track it. So how can they prove that the listener actually listened to it? I will say that this is a newer format, the podcast format. So the certification committee may not be totally familiar with that. So I'm going to ask you to help me help you with this question, and maybe the Scaling Up audience can come up with a way that the certification committee for the CWT uh, feels comfortable with issuing these points for the Scaling Up Nation that are CWTs listening to this podcast. So if you have any ideas for that, let me know. If you want to write me back on scalinguph2o.com and let me know what that is, by all means, if you know somebody on the certification committee and you got some ideas, let them know as well. I'd like for them to know that this is a popular show and you guys are indeed listening to it. And moreover, you're getting items from it to become a better water creator tomorrow than you were today. All right. So on the next question... It says, on an earlier show, you mentioned resin cleaning. Uh, I believe that was the show I did with Bruce Ketrick. And the intro to that, I spoke on water softeners and did a very brief operational. And then I went into some brief troubleshooting. So resin cleaning, how do you do that is what the question says. 
Well, there's not really a, a, a simple answer to that, but I guess nothing is in water treatment. So probably the simplest way to do that is to use some sort of resin cleaning product, and hopefully you have that in your product line. And what you would do is actually put that into the brine tank so you have so much of that going into every brining cycle, and that will help clean up the resin. And to back up even more, what I'm talking about here is iron fouling. And if I remember that episode, I was talking about the valence and that sodium has a plus one charge, uh, calcium magnesium has a plus two charge. And the way we get the calcium magnesium off of the resin with a plus one charge is we put so much sodium in there that the, the resin says, hey, there's so much sodium out there, I'm going to get rid of this calcium magnesium because we faked it out with the concentration and thinks it kind of has a higher charge than one. And that's how we get the sodium back on the resin. But if we have iron on there that has a plus three charge and sodium is not going to go in there and remove the, uh, the, the iron that's, that's in that resin hole. So how do we do that? We put the resin cleaner in there and that resin cleaner should help promote getting some of that iron out. I don't think it's going to get all of it, but it will help with some. And my advice is, is don't wait for the resin to become fouled. You can actually start using that cleaner to keep resin cleaner longer. And that's probably the best advice that I have. And that's something that I've learned by the time the resin sort of gets spent and iron fouled, it's really too late. Once that happens, you got to do an offline cleaning where you put a whole bunch of cleaner in there and then you got to agitate everything. Uh, so basically what you do, you take a PVC wand and you hook it up to a compressor and you bubble uh, through a very long, tedious, boring paint drying, watching, boring process, if you get my drift. So if you can't get it to, if you don't get it to that point, it's probably more entertaining than watching the wall for those things take like 12 hours or so. So you can, you can manually clean the resin using that air lance that I just described and a whole bunch of product, or you can put a little bit of resin cleaner in as an ongoing basis or, or, and, or you can send the resin sample off to be analyzed. I've got to be honest. I've sent a bunch of resin samples in over my career. And I really don't remember that many coming back saying that their recommendation was something other than replace the resin. So you, you may or may not want to skip that step. And sometimes you just got to replace the resin. It's just easier, definitely a lot quicker than cleaning it depending on how large the unit is, but it might just be easier just to do the volume calculation, figure out how much resin you need and take the old resin out, put the new resin in. So uh, thank you for that question. And the last question I'm gonna answer, it says, uh, uh, you hear a lot about people job hopping these days, especially millennials. Do you have any statistics that talk specifically about how long people stay in the water treatment industry? Well, I, I want to say I don't have specific statistics that I have taken myself, but I've heard Colin Frayne talk on this topic, and he has said throughout his career, he has found, and Colin Frayne is a, a consultant and a contributor to AWT, and he has been in water treatment for a while, and uh, he's a smart guy, so we're going we're gonna to trust him with this. So he has said that he's found that if somebody gets into water treatment and they stay 
For two years, they're kind of hooked. They're there for life. But if they don't reach that two-year mark, they're more apt to switch jobs and do something else. And, and I'm really thinking about it logically, that makes a lot of sense because think about when you were brand new in the water treatment industry and maybe you had a job where you understood all the equipment and all the chemistry and all the various things that you have to know as a water treater. And keep in mind, it's not just your test kit. You got to be, you know, you got to know how to test. You got to be, you got to know what's in your products. You got to know what's in the water. You got to uh, know a little bit about electricity. You got to have to know a little bit about plumbing and the list goes on. So for somebody brand new that's coming into this industry, it's overwhelming for some. But over months, and then especially over years, we're not learning everything new all at once. The things that we're learning, we're now able to apply to the new things we're learning because now we have good foundational knowledge that we can build on. So my advice is, and this is a little bit above what the question is, but for those new people out there, keep doing what you're doing and this job is not going to come easy. This job is very hard, but there is a reward if you stay in this job. So the harder you try to learn and be the best water trader you can, make sure you're better tomorrow than you are today, the more you are going to appreciate being here. And I think that's what speaks to what Colin has found out, that it takes about two years for people to really appreciate what they learned and how to do the job. And then they feel that this is a career that they really want to do. They understand because they're familiar with the industry. So for what it's worth, it seems like the answer to that question is about two years and then people are hooked. You, you can't get them out. And so uh, hopefully I answered that question correctly. I do want to thank everybody out there. The reason I have questions is because you all are giving them to me. Otherwise, this would be a lot shorter of a show. So thank you very much for that. Some action items out there. Uh, please, if you haven't told someone about scaling up, let one of your other water treatment partners know that there is a show out there called Scaling Up and it's for all of us. And by all means, if you have not subscribed to Scaling Up, whether you're using iTunes or Stitcher, uh, if you would go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that will make things a lot easier on you. So you don't have to go to the website. You don't have to go looking for the show every time I doubt, I guess that would be an upload that I upload a new show so you can download it. Uh, it'll just simply go to your device automatically. So, and I wouldn't even be talking about this if I did not have so many great scaling up listeners out there. So again, I want to thank you for that. And I want to encourage you, as I've said 15 times already in this episode alone, to please think about what you're doing and how are you going to become a better water treater tomorrow than you were today. Have a great week, folks. 